This is Commerce Code, a weekly podcast for leaders in digital commerce. I'm Dan Carell, CEO of the Digital Commerce Alliance. We'll start with this week's news. Retail, financial, and fintech stocks were level from last week, all trading at a substantial discount from their highs late last year. Cryptocurrencies, too, continued to be volatile but level, with Bitcoin remaining around the $20,000 mark this week, still almost 70% off its high from last November. Mexico's central bank came out with a three-quarter point interest rate rise as the country responds to higher-than-expected inflation. Its prime lending rate now stands at 7.75%. On Tuesday, Australia's central bank lifted its benchmark interest rate for a third time in three straight months. The cash rate is now 1.35%. U.S. travel around the July 4th holiday was robust, with TSA reporting 15.6 million travelers in the seven days leading up to July 4th. That's a 13% increase over last year and still 9% lower than the same period in 2019. In this edition of Commerce Code, what did you just call me? Names in Commerce. A conversation with Keshav Malani of NameDrop. The U.S. labor market began to cool, according to new data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics this Wednesday. U.S. job openings declined to 11.3 million in late May from 11.7 million a month earlier. Slightly fewer people quit their jobs in May, and layoffs rose a little bit too. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday released minutes from its June meeting which showed that the Federal Open Market Committee, quote, concurred that the economic outlook warranted moving to a restrictive stance and, quote, recognized the possibility that an even more restrictive stance could be appropriate. The Fed is widely expected to raise target interest rates another three quarters of a point on July 27th. According to recent MasterCard spending pulse data, U.S. consumer retail spending was up 9.5% year-over-year in June, reflecting a big jump in in in-store sales, which rose 11.7%. Online sales rose 1.1% from 2021, but have roughly doubled since 2019. Today on the show, we're going to talk about names. We're speaking with Keshav Malani, the co-founder and CEO of NameDrop. NameDrop is a digital service that helps people pronounce others' names correctly by linking them easily to a correct audio pronunciation of the name. Keshav, thank you for joining us today. You've got a really cool new thing going, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. But first of all, where where are you joining us from? Thanks, Dan. I'm joining from San Francisco Bay Area. Fantastic. Look, I want to start talking about NameDrop and what you're doing. And so to To set the foundation, NameDrop is basically designed to address the challenge of name pronunciation, which of course is a challenge that everybody experiences more and more as the world becomes more global and we're encountering more cultures and and maybe names we don't know how to pronounce. What inspired you to create NameDrop? It definitely came from a personal pain point, I think, as most ideas would be starting from. But for me personally, I moved to the U.S. when I was 11 from India. And the early parts of my life, I never really corrected anybody when they said my name incorrectly. But I think as soon as I got to Deloitte post-undergrad, I think it started hitting me. I was like, hey, I really need to get my name right. And so at that point, I was able to actively kind of correct folks when I was in person. But then from there, it's just the desire to get my name right increased exponentially. So finally built the service where it was just my name and an HTML file that I just, a website that I put up there. And then others started asking, and then more and more people started noticing. 
And then from there, I said, okay, I can't maintain multiple HTML files, so I need to build a service out of it. And But it was very small scale. It was just some people who wanted it, my friends primarily. And then from there, it kind of escalated because the demand just grew. That's amazing. So you have zeroed in on certain kinds of potential customers and people that will be served by this. And so I would love if you could talk a little bit about how name drop can help, you know, whether it's a retailer or a merchant or like maybe a university or others. How does name drop go about in those different use cases, helping people to pronounce other people's names right? Yeah, absolutely. The really easy application that everybody kind of clicks with right away is graduation. Everybody's name being pronounced and butchered up there. This is a chance. And a lot of schools are taking the effort of making sure that the announcer is actually getting the name correct. Other aspects of where universities use us is actually just in their classrooms. So they'll make it as part of their onboarding process for all the new students. And then when they sign up, they share their name or pronunciation and all the teachers will see that as part of their roll call as well. So where the corporates come in, they have their employees record whoever wants to, obviously, and then they can integrate that into their Microsoft AD or Slack and their other internal tools that they use for HR, et cetera, and definitely their email signature. It's a long way too from the first day of class in you know, grade school or high school or whatever, when the teacher would just unilaterally decide what they were going to call you and you were basically stuck with it for the rest of the year. And I suppose in some contexts, that's not so bad, but increasingly with the range of a large school district in the U.S. will have a hundred different languages spoken. You know, that's normal. And so the teacher isn't dealing with a, a constrained universe of possibilities like with Daniel would have been on the paper when they had me in class and they would have known right away that the universe of possibilities were Dan, Danny and Daniel and they just needed to find out which which one it was. But that's not how it is anymore in most contexts. Yeah. And, and actually, I mean, it's easy to think, oh, it's just because we have a lot of different cultures and countries coming into the mix. But actually, just even with it, everybody wants their name to be unique. A lot of the quote unquote normal names, you would call it, are easy to pronounce names. People still want them to be unique and they put different additional letters or different spellings on there. So as a teacher, it can be very daunting to actually go through that. And then especially when it comes to different cultures coming in, you have different experience at home, like you're called as different a name at home versus a name at school. So it builds kind of two different identities almost, which can be, as you can imagine, all, all the high school and middle school, all this stuff that you're going through and then having to wrestle with two different identities as you progress through life. And we get a lot of responses from users who just message out saying, hey, this is incredible. I kind of all my life, I've been really shying away from my other name because people can't pronounce it. And now I'm actually like, I have something to give them to actually be able to learn it. I think one of the big things that I've learned while building and working on NameDrop is the person also pronouncing the name also needs a chance to actually practice, hear it and practice it in their own time rather than on me. It's not pleasant for them if I'm constantly telling them they're incorrect. So that, that's another big part of name drop. I think the dual sides of it, I think it's a really important factor. It seems to me that some people, the idea that this matters will be new to them. And I can give you an easy example. If your name is Dan or Greg or Scott, in our culture, it's almost literally impossible to mispronounce some of those kinds of names. And so a person that might be named Dan, for example, wouldn't have spent a lot of time personally dealing with it, right? And so they might not appreciate how important this can be, you know, even really to themselves, right? If they live in an alternate environment where their name was being mispronounced all the time, or people just didn't really even know what to do with it, right? They look at that they saw DAN on a piece of a paper and thought, oh my gosh, what is that? Which is a reality that a lot of people live with. So if we kind of take that observation into the business context, from a business's perspective, what are the benefits of name drop to the business? 
Right. On the business end, definitely the corporates, as I said, obviously during COVID, everybody's virtual even more so. I think it gave people a way to say, oh, hey, here's my name. Like you can yeah. practice it rather than in person telling them how to pronounce it correctly. The other part from a retailer and kind of merchant side of it, that's something we are actively. And that's one of the conversations that kind of brought me to the podcast itself. It's really us finding ways to bring name drop just from an online world into the offline arena. Some of the ways that we're trying to integrate, I mean, as you see greater automation and AI in the, on the service end of the economy, you will see greater applications of name drop and kind of the use cases will become unbound. An easy one will be Uber or Lyft. When I get in, my name is always mispronounced. A very easy one would be to integrate name drop into an Uber app, into a Lyft app, and then they can pull the audio and be able to use it when I get into the car. This is kind of a pie in the sky. I would love to make this happen working with MasterCard and Visa, et cetera. You swipe your card because you're taking that everywhere with you, right? And then it has your name drop profile associated with it. So the merchant immediately knows how to say your name correctly. These are great pathways forward and it just gives you I guess to me, it's a good example of something that's been right in front of everybody forever that either nobody tried to solve or nobody thought to try and solve it or whatever. And there's just a ton of opportunities. So on the payment cards, obviously that's tremendously of interest to listeners of Commerce Code. And, you know, there's a lot of backend technology that obviously relates to all of this stuff, but it's also it's rapidly evolving, right, and working in different ways. I wonder if you've dreamed about different ways that this can tie into, because now we live in a world not just of cards, obviously, but mobile wallets and other technologies. I wonder if you've dreamed about other ways that this can be applied in the payments space. Yeah, we are working on our end. Something that we thought would be really cool to make happen for users is when you are at a coffee shop, et cetera, that you're paying, and my name again is often mispronounced. And now I make it a point of actually saying my real name. I used to use a version of it before, but now, especially with my son and everything, I always make a point of making sure that he sees that I'm using my real name. So one of the things that we want to roll out is actually on when somebody's paying in a coffee shop is when they triggered Google Pay or Apple Pay, et cetera, to trigger like a bubble or a notification on there where they can just open it up real quick, uh, trigger the name drop app, where it will show the person receiving the order, whoever's taking down the order, the correct spelling of the name and a phonetic way of saying it as well. And the audio can be there as well if they want to hear it and they can just play it for the, the receiver right there. Getting the name and the names written on the cop and all of this that's been developed in our culture, that's obviously an interesting context. And my question on that is, do you find that people are able to take like a phonetic spelling and make sense of it? You know, is that or is that something too where, where you're thinking about how do we present this in like the easiest way to get people to be able to, to quickly pronounce something correctly? You're absolutely right. That's one of our biggest challenges that we keep thinking about. How do we address this? How do we make it easier for people to take the phonetics, turn it into something that they can recognize easily and understand? So two aspects of this. One, I will say we are working on taking somebody's recording and being able to convert it into a standard voice that can be used throughout. So you don't have necessarily the person's voice coming through. But one of the things that we want to do along the way on that is also be able to take that recording, convert it into some sort of phonetics that can be utilized and that can be standardized across the board. So then as we continue growing, people get used to reading the same sort of phonetics and they know when something is stressed a certain way, capitalized a certain way, it needs to be pronounced that way. I have so many follow-up questions, but for purposes of time, I'm going to just have one more. One of your goals, surely, and it seems inherent to the activity here, is to further diversity and inclusion. And I wonder if you have reflections on how NameDrop helps to, to do that. 
I think it's a given now that diversity is crucial for any business to succeed. What name drop and how we fit into that mix is making those people like actually recognizing that diversity and making those people feel seen. I think oftentimes it is people and companies say, bring yourself, your real self to the workplace. But if your name needs to be changed from your real name to some other version that makes people feel comfortable, that's not ideal. That's not going to help you feel like your real self can actually shine in the workplace. And one of the things I didn't mention up front, names are so important to people, obviously their identity, but it's a matter of respect. When you take the effort to actually get somebody's name right, it makes a big difference. Already, I believe there's some research out there around negotiations and things like that and any kind of business dealings, when you actually take the time to get somebody's name right, they know that you have spent the time to recognize that they are important and that you care to interact with them at that same level. And that's where we really come in to make sure that people are equal and treated as such when you're in a workplace as well. This is a, a fun conversation and a really interesting product you've created that's addressing something, you know, that's timeless and universal, but also brand new, I think, for most people in the sense of they haven't seen a solution to it before. Nothing I'm aware of. And so absolutely wish you the very best of luck and look forward to seeing what happens next with Name Drop. Keshav, thanks a bunch for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Dan. Coming right up, closing thoughts on what constitutes a really big problem. Buzz Aldrin was on the cover of the June 2013 issue of the MIT Technology Review. I'll give you a second here to go grab your copy so you can thumb through it as I talk. Aldrin, of course, was Neil Armstrong's partner in landing on the moon, and the MIT Tech Review cover was masterfully provocative. Here's the title they ran under Aldrin's weathered face. You promised me Mars colonies. Instead, I got Facebook. It's memorable, even nine years later, because... The title captures one of those big-picture objections to the world that I think we have to take seriously. Aldrin's basic point was that we have this incredible well of technology talent working to solve problems, but in his view, the problems weren't big enough. He wanted Mars colonies. I'll start by stating my bias, which is that from the beginning, I never really agreed with the basic sentiment here, the idea that Mars colonies are good and social media is less good. There are a few reasons for that, but for now, I'll stick with one main point. What do we mean by big? Mars colonies are big in the sense of being ambitious, for sure, and they are certainly big in terms of resource mobilization, capturing our imagination and the like. I will even stipulate that they could be big in ways that we don't yet know. But while it lacked the majesty of a Mars landing, the social media revolution has impacted nearly every living human and transformed our public discourse, our politics, our social engagement, and of course, our commerce. Whether those effects have been good or bad, I am happy to debate, preferably not online. I'd rather do it in person with you over a beer. I've talked about that kind of thing before. Social media has directly touched billions of people, and they're all involved voluntarily, if they're online. On its face, it's been one of the biggest things in history. So to my conversation with Keshav, the market size of the problem he's solving there at NameDrop is nearly equal to the number of souls on the planet, which for the record now measures just over 7.9 billion and rising. The issue NameDrop is addressing will vary in terms of how important it feels. I've never had my name mispronounced because it's three letters long and I'm not really sure how you could. But even if half of the world's people feel like they have this problem, that's a 4 billion person problem. I guess a curmudgeon could say, well, sure, 
but this is just solving 4 billion really small problems. I'd rather somebody do something big like cure cancer. Okay, let's take cancer research as an example. And this gets a little closer to why I think this stuff actually has a lot of value. It's pretty well established that scientists collaborate more intensively within their ethnic and social circles. Research universities are incredibly international places, but even though the cafeteria at a place like MIT or Stanford looks like Heathrow Airport during peak international traffic, there are still barriers that keep people inside their own circles more than you'd think when it comes to who they publish with scientifically. This is understandable, but it's not necessarily a good thing, of course. I might know someone of my own group better, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a better match in terms of who I should be working with on core scientific problems like, for example, curing cancer. This might seem like a small thing, but if we can reduce the social barrier of not being able to comfortably pronounce someone's name the first time you meet them, that could have an impact on really consequential things down the line, like who we collaborate with on cancer research. Solving a small problem with a truly huge market size can, I think, be a big thing for our society. And I think there are plenty more, quote, little problems that we can solve for the world's 7.9 billion people and counting. Commerce Code is a weekly podcast of the Digital Commerce Alliance, the premier trade association advancing the future of commerce. Check out our website at digcomall.org. Help us grow Commerce Code by sharing it with your colleagues and old friends from business school and rate Commerce Code on your podcast app. We'd love your feedback and topic ideas. Just drop Dan Carell an email. You can reach him at dan at digcomall.org. On behalf of DCA, have a great Friday and a great weekend.